Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I came to the meeting. And the first thing he said to myself and my colleague, who's the same age as me, he said, so is this it? (laughs) And kind of like looked us up and down. And at the time, I didn't say anything, but in hindsight, I wish I did. Hello, and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm Claire Hatton. And I'm Greta Thomas. And we're on a mission to help you achieve your goals. We're all about sharing the secrets of the world's most innovative and pioneering successful women. Hear their uplifting stories and practical advice right here. Yes, right here. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then why not sign up for our newsletter at hello at don'tstopusnow.co and keep listening for this week's latest episode. This week's guest is the youngest woman we've had on the show. She's a self-taught entrepreneurial founder of a thriving new age creative agency. Exactly. 27-year-old Sophia Attis started her business originally as a creative outlet and side hustle for when she was studying law at university. Fair enough, I say. In the years that followed, Sophia realized she had the makings of a business as her creative work attracted attention and turned her into a brand influencer in her own right. Hattrick House has now grown to become a fully-fledged agency with a focus on social media and content featuring a talented team of women helping service a whole host of brands. And full disclosure here, we were so impressed with Hattrick's work when we saw one of their clients on Instagram we hired her ourselves about two years ago. We sure did. And in that time, we've had the chance to watch as Sophia's business has grown. And we've been so impressed at how she continues to navigate all the challenges that come with leading a fast growing business as a young woman. In this episode, you'll hear Sophia's experiences of being taken seriously or not as a female boss in her 20s, what she believes have been the most important factors in growing her business what future trends you should be looking out for on social media and in digital advertising, and her advice if you're thinking of setting up your own side hustle. So without further ado, here's our conversation with the composed and creative Sophia Attis. Sophia Attis, welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Well, it's a real joy to have you on because you've been actually behind the scenes of Don't Stop Us Now for quite some time. And it's about time that you came front and and centre in our minds. When you asked me to be an actual guest, I was obviously flattered, but kind of excited because I haven't been on this side of the microphone or the screen before. So Uh, there you go. Yeah. Sophia, as you would know, The first question that we always like to ask our guests, just to help our listeners ground who you are, is 
How would you describe what you do in a couple of sentences if you met somebody for the first time? I do find this a tricky question because what I did initially, say, four years ago when I started the business and now it's changed dramatically and I feel like the industry that I'm in, which is digital marketing and I guess advertising, it's changing so quickly in itself. So the answer is always going to be quite fluid and never the same, but I find that quite exciting. Today, I would say that we are a creative agency, but in the modern landscape. So we deal with both social media, websites, email marketing, and I guess like small scale guerrilla marketing. Great. Well, I... I mean, not surprised, but intrigued by your point about how things are rapidly changing. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well, I think. But before we do, can you tell me what was your childhood like? I'm still quite young. I'm only 27. So I feel like my childhood was two years ago, even though it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) But when I look back, I grew up in a big family. I'm the oldest of four kids two sisters and a brother. Both of my parents are quite creative. They're in retail and I guess the arts. And so when we were younger, we were always growing up around creative projects and people that were painting and drawing and creating things, like whether it was for actual business purposes or hobbies. And I think that my parents fostered that within us really young. We all grew up in Australia. I'm half Greek, half Australian. And again, like the big Greek family. So always surrounded by lots of people. And yeah, I think being the oldest, you sort of set the standard and you're kind of figuring it all out before them. I always laugh with my siblings because I feel like they have it so much easier than what I had. it. <laughs> like my parents, there's 11 years between me and my brother. And they're definitely past the point of sort of disciplining on all the little things because I feel like they put so much effort into that for me and Christina. I so know how you feel because amazingly, I'm the eldest of four and my brother, I've got two sisters and a brother and my brother is 11 years younger than me. Really? He's the, yeah, he's the youngest. And he's the youngest, oh yeah. Spooky. How so funny. Isn't it? That's really strange. Yeah. So I really, Are you close with him? Yeah, very. I'm really, really close with all of my siblings. So I I know what you mean about having to sort of create your own path. Totally. And I think there's always like benefits to that and downsides as well, because obviously you're the one to make the first mistakes and you kind of set the boundaries and test the limits. But I think also like the responsibility of being the oldest, I enjoy that. I kind of wouldn't have it any other way. And so when you, when you were a kid, what did you imagine that you would do when you grew up? I don't know. I think it changed a lot depending on where I was along the journey, but I loved school. I had really good friends there. I enjoyed the creative side of it a lot more. I was so bad at maths. I nearly failed. And then going into uni, I guess it also changed as well. I did law and communications at UTS and I think you're always influenced by what you have in front of you at the time. Like when I was doing law, I thought I wanted to be in the criminal space and the justice space. And then while I was doing comms, I thought I wanted to be in 
more the advertising, the PR side of things. And also growing up with dad, he was in retail and he had his own business. So I was always following him around. I got to see the running of that and I guess like how ideas start and then grow and come to life. And was your dad the sort of inspiration, do you think, for you wanting to be an entrepreneur? Or did you not know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I don't think it was necessarily the inspiration because I never wanted to do exactly what he did, but it's definitely given me the confidence and the ability to realise you can actually create your own career, if that makes sense. Like I, I feel when you're at school and even university, there's never any training or even a suggestion that, hey, maybe you could actually do it yourself or if you have an idea, you could be your own boss. It was all very, okay, this is your skill set. You're trained in this. You're good at this. So therefore you should be this when you're older. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were at uni, did you start a side hustle or were you already sort of doing some things on the side? A little bit. I think it was more a hobby. Like I would write blog posts for no reason. I don't even think people read it. Or I would post photos on Tumblr and create mood boards and inspiration boards. But I think it was third year and I was working in a retail job and I absolutely hated it. And I just would come home miserable every day after my shifts. And I think I got to the point where I was like, no, I I think I want to be my own boss. It was, I think, three years out of school that I created like the ABN and I properly set up Patrick. Fantastic. What were your plans for the business? When you, you got the ABN, what were you setting out to do? First, it was very, I guess, just on social media, I was posting photos. I loved just creating little shoots and video pieces, but for no actual purpose. Like I wasn't working with any clients. I was doing it all just for fun it was it was a hobby and I would sit in lectures and edit them and then you know be so distracted go home post it and slowly I got a little bit of a following but I think because I was creating like collages and little pieces of work brands then started approaching me so I realized that maybe like if they paid me I could keep doing this and it started from like really super tiny things like the local juice shop or the coffee shop and then bigger things started falling into my lap like I met Kate Waterhouse who I'm good friends with now and I started taking photos for her and then working with bigger brands there and yeah it it was a bit of a snowball effect. And were you doing things for free for these brands or were you actually getting paid? So much of it was for free. I don't think I made money for nearly four years. Like, obviously, I would make money, but then just put it all back into buying flowers or props or computers or cameras. And I always say that to people now when they ask for advice and they come with, you know, big spreadsheets and P&Ls and, oh, this is my break-even line and this is how much I'm investing in the business and because I started so differently to that and I'm not a risk taker. So to me, that would have been really scary to have all of this like money 
or even investment from other people to create an idea, whereas it was more like you've just got to hustle, keep your head above the water, and then eventually it started to kind of make a profit. There you are. You're really young. How did you get taken seriously by the brands? And did you find that when people reached out to you after seeing your feeds, say on Instagram, that they were really surprised and taken aback at how young you were? Yeah, I think... It's a bit of like both. You have to be confident and sort of back yourself. I've had a few times when people have, you know, inquired on email, we've spoken on the phone, it's been, you know, you've sent them a deck and a proposal and then they're really close to signing the contract, but you obviously want to meet them in person. And there was one guy who I think he would have been in his 50s, like in corporate, I came to the meeting And the first thing he said to myself and my colleague, who's the same age as me, he said, so is this it? (laughs) And kind of like looked us up and down. And at the time, I didn't say anything. But in hindsight, I wish I did because it makes you feel uncomfortable. And it takes, I guess, a a few of those scenarios where you almost become more confident from that reaction. It's kind of like funny now. What would you have said to him? I think more confident to say, yeah, it is. Like, is there a problem? Or what did you expect? I think that's a really interesting question because what did you expect? Yeah. There's a difference between being insulted by it and also having the ability to kind of teach them that this is normal, this should be normal, and if you don't embrace it, you'll be left behind. Yeah, that's such a wise thing to say. In retrospect, what have been the most important decisions that you've taken in this entrepreneurial journey that you've had so far? I think making the right hires in like building a team. And again, I think it's a mix of like going with your gut and also having all your numbers lined up to be able to do that. But yeah, I think you realise that you really can't build something alone or You could, but from what I want to do, you can't. And you have to be able to trust like the whole team, no matter how junior they are. And I think that was pivotal for me in making my first hire, which was Kira, who you guys know well. And I think it's only until like after that you look back and you're like, wow, these people rely on me to pay their rent and to buy their lunch, which is scary. But I think that that was the biggest milestone so far. And how do you deal with that sense of responsibility? Does it weigh on you? It does. When you're having bad days or like things are going wrong, you can feel really alone because all the responsibility is like on you. And I don't have a business partner. So making the big decisions and feeling the burden of when clients are angry or upset, you feel like the world is crashing down and you can't really like have someone else to take the blame but at the same time I have such an amazing team now that I feel that has become easier and I do believe in strength in numbers like if you can delegate well and kind of have everyone has their responsibilities and roles it's definitely made it easier yeah but that transition is quite hard isn't it I mean so hard yeah you know we see that both in entrepreneurs but also in people that go up through organisations and become leaders. Yeah. You know, moving from being the person who does everything and is really good at it to the person that then 
delegates and empowers other people is a whole new skill set. How did you learn that? I think there's a mix between like it's inherently part of your personality to to want to take on that responsibility and like manage a team and then also learning as you go. Like you make a lot of mistakes and I have made a lot of mistakes, whether they're tiny ones of how to approach a meeting or how to give constructive criticism, which I learn like, you know, when you make a stuff up, you know not to do it for the next time. But I also think like naturally I like organizing things and people. Delegating was definitely hard. I still struggle. I sometimes get a task and I'm like, I can do that really quickly and I know exactly what I want to do and I can do it well. But realistically, you don't have a thousand hours in the day. So you have to teach someone how to do it. And they're always going to make mistakes. But I guess that's part of it, like briefing in. Yeah. What's been the toughest time building your business so far? There hasn't been the worst time and the best time but I think you go through phases I almost think at the moment it's growing pains where because we're growing quite quickly it's keeping up with being able to resource projects and not letting clients down and I think balancing that I sometimes struggle to you know keep a level head about it and and kind of think I'm not failing if someone is annoyed at me or I get a bad email I'm just learning and we're not going to do it again I think also when COVID hit no one knew what was going to happen and as a small business you were kind of on the chopping block because you know it was scary like people were losing their jobs and big corporations were laying people off so I automatically thought that that was exactly what would happen to us clients would drop off and some did and that wasn't great cash flow wasn't good and that was stressful but I think it's the day-to-day like stresses of it which are worse and you know especially because you're in uh, so much of the work you do is in social media and and there's a real always on nature to that you know how do you how do you manage to switch off I struggle with that (laughs) I think being so young you think you have to be on call 24-7 for your clients but it takes a bit of experience and I guess trialing it to realize that you know there's a contract and in that contract there says a certain amount of hours and if you go beyond that you shouldn't only get paid for it but you need to make them aware that you're spending more time on their work and for a long time I wasn't confident enough to kind of put my hand up and go actually this is beyond the scope of our projects, like maybe we need to reconsider or do you have more budget so that I can resource this? But like going home at night, I left my laptop in the office for the first time, actually last night, and it felt really good. (laughs) But usually I'm kind of on call. Like if someone needs something, I'll think that I can have it. I need to get to them straight away, but that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, it's, it's really hard, isn't it? I think, as you said, also like the digital space, everyone's so connected and so easily contactable that there is that assumption that if you text message something through or WhatsApp or Slack or 
Instagram DM, there's so many touch points. So it's hard to feel like you're actually switching off. Yeah, absolutely. But I really like, you know, the fact that you're, you've got to the point where you're sort of able to have those difficult conversations and set some boundaries or change expectations. Yeah. Well, one of the many things that we've been super impressed with about working with you is just your ability and maturity about having a difficult conversation. Mm. You know, not shying away from, let's say, we're being demanding because we want something or perhaps (laughs) maybe, you know, maybe there's expectations have been slightly misaligned or, or whatever. You've been incredible at being able to deal with that in a very mature way. What have you learned over the last few years about dealing with demanding customers or indeed having difficult conversations with your team? I feel like, and as a disclaimer, you guys are like heaven clients. Very, <laughs> you don't very have to say that. To work we'll, with. No, we'll pay I'm you being later. Serious. <laughs> being serious. You are. And I think that that is also what I've learned is you've got the people that have had all of that experience and they are professional on their end. So it fosters a professionalism from me as well. Whereas when you're approached from an angle that is aggressive or really hyper emotional, you're then tempted to react back like that, which is hard. But I think it's experience. I mean, I don't think I was good at it at the start. I think I shied away from it. I would also say yes to things and kind of roll over and agree but it doesn't get you anywhere and it's not it's not beneficial to anyone because I feel like it will just keep happening like it's better to kind of confront it at the moment and also put yourself in the other person's shoe and understand why they're feeling like that and then explain to them your side as well and I feel like open dialogue is always healthy in that sense it's something that is incredibly important in today's world as you're dealing under stressful circumstances with demanding people. And I guess that is like, it goes back to being able to put emotions aside. And I think, again, a generalisation, but as a female, I think that, and my whole team is female, but we automatically react with that like you think it's a personal attack or you you get emotional about it but then I talk to some of my mentors or people that are closest to me who are male and it's easier for them to go it's okay this is business it's a meeting it's black and white this is how it is and this is how you should approach it and I'm I think now female or male I'm definitely better at it but it's definitely an automatic thing where you kind of take things personally when they shouldn't be yeah. And do you pause and reflect in order to have that ability to regulate your emotions? And has that become, if you do do that, has that become not, you're sort of even non-conscious? Yeah, I think it's like anything, business or not non-business. Like, you know, when you want to send a text message or an email, but you're not 100% sure about it, like just sleep on it. And then in in, in the morning, if you wake up and you feel the same, it's probably the right thing to say. But just being really reactionary isn't helpful. I've learned that the hard way as well. Tell us about that. As in, like, I don't regret things that I've said or 
the way that I've handled situations because you look back and you learn from it. But I've definitely had scenarios where I shouldn't have sent a long email ranting or I shouldn't have sent the text message back. It's just easier to, you know, pick up a call and explain it or arrange a meeting that's way more formal and make it a business scenario rather than a personal argument I guess yeah and it's I think it's it's such a human tendency to sometimes default initially to taking things personally but it sounds like you're doing some great things to override that because as you say it's business and that's not where we should be taking anything personally no you mentioned mentors what role do mentors play for you I was talking to the girls about this the other day because we were stressing about a situation and one of them actually turned to me and made a good point and they said, is there anyone we can ask about this? And I was like, that's so interesting that even my team are thinking that. And I really loved that reaction because we do have to remember that we're so young. None of us have done this before. So sometimes you do have to stop and think, okay, I've got all of these amazing resources around me. Who could I call and reach out to to get advice from? I think it's really important to reach out to people that you admire or you you are close with or not close with and go, hey, can I take you to coffee or can I pick your brains about this? I'd love your advice. Because the worst they can say is no. I'd love to switch gears now and think about your business. And, and what do you think the next big thing is going to be? I think AI is massive. When you look at the trends of even video and things like memojis and TikTok and the way brands are innovating whether it is on social media or web or even you know billboards but it's bringing the real life onto your screen and then back again and I think that COVID has even fast-tracked that even more like I mean fashion runways are almost dead because we can't show up in real life but they're coming up with ideas of how to bring that into your own living room. Like Louis Vuitton created their little logo and this like horse that was part of their collection and they got Instagram to make it as like a a moving thing so you could download it and if you were in your bedroom or wherever, it was there with you. That is like obviously just one example but that's the trend. People are like using filters to create spaces and yeah, like festivals are going online. That's really intriguing, isn't it? The way that it's sort of like, you know, co-creation of brands has been something that's been happening for a little while, but now it sounds like it's sort of going into the real virtual space with uh, VR and holograms. and Totally. And then you're going to be able to use AI to be able to learn from what a consumer wants and how they customise things. Yeah, exactly. And behavior. And I think it goes both ways as well. I think because the world has oversaturated the digital space, like it's so easy to create content. We do crave the real life experience as well. And I think coming out of COVID, that will be almost more important than ever. I'm forecasting and I might be wrong, but I think retailers will invest more than ever into their retail experience and the real life shopping or shows that, you know, like the general public can be involved in, it's not as exclusive anymore, which I like. And do you think that they're going to be investing 
in the space, but using the technology to sort of augment it. Definitely. And so many people are interested in, in having a side hustle. And, and I think really what that means is they actually have an appetite to ultimately run their own business. If you had a message for young women who might be thinking that or any person who might be thinking that, what would that message be? Don't create a side hustle with the money as the main goal. I don't think that that is enough to be able to like motivate someone to with all the blood, sweat and tears, the worst days. And also generally it should be something that you just love doing because you're going to be successful at that more so than being rich. I don't think that that should be the main driver. What's your main driver? Freedom to do what I love and want and not being held accountable to, I guess, yeah, like a big company being able to take a day off or create a project when we want to or welcome someone to the team because I see potential. And that goes back to at the start of this conversation when I was working in that retail shop and I hated it. And I came home and I said I wanted to be my own boss. And I think that, yeah, the freedom of doing that is something I value a lot. Yeah, absolutely. The freedom and, yeah, the responsibility. Yes. Oh, of course. It's not all rainbows and flowers every day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested. Many of our guests have consciously decided to stop comparing themselves to other people, you know, because of the the negative effect that it has on your self-esteem or your self-worth. What's your relationship with comparison to others? I learned this term from you both, the idea of the imposter syndrome, it's stuck with me ever since of always having that like voice in your head of, oh, but they're doing it better or maybe I should do that because they're doing it or I'm not good enough. And it's definitely something that's subtly there, but I think you've got to surround yourself with people that bring you up and make you confident. I'm like so extremely grateful that my parents have been like that and also my friends like people telling you that you're doing a good job and you do need that positive feedback to be able to keep going yeah couldn't agree more Sophia one of the questions that we like to ask all our guests but we're going to have to adapt it for you (laughs) is what advice would you give your 30-year-old self, but because you haven't made it to 30 yet, (laughs) what advice would you give your 20-year-old self if you could go back in time? If I could talk to my 20-year-old self, it would be just, like, be confident with what you're doing rather than thinking that, like, this is the lane I have to stick in because someone told me to. Well, on that note, it's a great note to finish on. Can't (laughs) thank you enough, Sophia, for your time. If our listeners wanted to find out more about you and Hattrick House, where should they go? They can go to our Instagram, which is Hattrick House, or on our website. You can see all of our work. It's kind of like a digital portfolio. If anyone has any questions or wants to get in contact, there we are social media (laughs) (laughs) we'll put that that on our show notes page so 
We um, love the work that you and the team do. It's very humble. We are a tiny client. I should just say that so listeners understand it's t- mm-hmm. um, you're very kind to help us so much with our social media, particularly on Instagram. Well, you guys were actually the official first contract I ever signed. Really? <laughs> we yeah. did not know that. Wow. Well, we're just going to yeah. high five here. Yeah, high five. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we know how to pick them. <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure and yeah. lovely for us to learn um new parts to you the Sophia story and the Hattrick yeah. story and we so. can't wait to see where you go in the future because we know the future will be very bright thank you guys Sophia's wise beyond her years, don't you think? Yeah, you're right. I think she's really tapping into her emotional intelligence to help her navigate some of those challenges that come with being such a young founder. Yeah, absolutely. And I think her conscious efforts to surround herself with positive people, you know, and good advisors has no doubt also helped her navigate inevitable business and client challenges. Yeah, totally agree. I think the other thing that really comes through strongly is that while Sophia gravitated to running her own business because it gives her certain freedoms, she's also all too aware of the responsibilities that come with running a business, particularly being responsible for other people's livelihoods. Yeah, absolutely. And managing those responsibilities while still being so creative and fresh with her creative output is just no mean feat. That's for sure. Well, that's this episode done and dusted. Stay tuned for next week's mini episode and another great feature interview after that. Stay safe, have fun and ciao for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.